You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. He's Chris Landry at LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. Boy, we've got a lot to get to today, including some NCAA rule changes, the president. I will preview Tennessee, talk about loaded. This show is loaded. And uh, we'll also have a visit with Josh Ward, who's on the Locked On Sports Podcast Network as well. Check out Locked On Balls. He's with WNML as well. So Josh Ward with some insight into the ball. So uh, we'll get right to it. Remind you, go to Twillery.com. Use the Locked On promo code to get $25 off. Locked On promo code to get $25 off your purchase. Free shipping, free returns. Why not go to Twillery.com? Get some fantastic shirts. You don't have to iron them. They are unbelievably comfortable. So check out Twillery.com. All right. Let's start with the NCAA. I think we kind of knew this was going to happen, Chris, and that was that at some point they had to tighten up the rules on transfers because it was getting to be just a a, a little bit bizarre, to be quite honest with you, and, and how much transferring and immediate eligibility was going on. Yeah, and, you know, the the problem is is that uh, typical in some how some of these um, legislations come about in the NCAA is they don't think things through enough correctly. So what about the 50% of the players that have already tried to transfer and they can't find a home and, you know, there, there are a lot of them that have moved on and it, it's just been a complete mess. So, it, you know, I get it. There's a little bit of trial and error, but instead of being so reactive to the national media, oh, let these guys move. And I, I, listen, I think transferring is fine if you have a legitimate reason, and I think it has to go through some sort of arbitration ruling, and um, this should have been at the initial step how this should have been done. So uh, it, it is definitely a problem. So you got to provide more proof now that the player is experiencing extenuating extraordinary circumstances that leading to the transfer, written responsibilities like – you know, taking a caretaker of a family, um, you know, a hundred mile exception, things that they're putting in that are, are good ideas, but they were good ideas if they were done initially. So now it's it's creating uh, a mess where you you got players that have legitimate reasons that were getting denied immediate eligibility, and then somebody that just Tate Martell gets you know, beaten out for the job at Ohio State. And uh, they just said, eh, you know, sure, go ahead. And you're immediately eligible at Miami. It just, uh, it's a no rhyme or reason. So it's, you know, and people will look at it and say, well, that's dumb. They're Now they're being too strict. But, you know, I think the reality is we've got to make rules that make sense. If a player makes a mistake, if a school releases them some scholarship, if there's legitimate reasons, of course we want those guys. But what, what needs to have happen is a better understanding that David Kidd's going to, on a, on a Wednesday, decide that he's fed up, that he should be the starting corner and he's going to transfer. And he decides that, and then, you know, on, on Friday he's, you know, realized he made a mistake. You can't have these type of – you've got to make it to where guys – Realize these are young students, and I don't want to get too much on a soapbox, but if you don't teach them, think about it if they were your kids. Would you let them make a bad decision, or would you sit there and 
talk them out of it and realize that these decisions that you make are training for when you get a real job. If you get ticked off by your boss any day, you're going to get up and quit. I mean, you know, maybe you are, but you're going to have a tough life and tough keeping a job. And, you know, I, I just think that we're sending bad messages to the student athlete that when the going gets tough, you quit. You know, if you've got a legitimate reason to leave, of course, you should go, you should pursue it, you should document it, in and off you go. But I think this has created a big-time mess, and I think if we don't watch where we're going, and, and the next thing, of course, we'll get into this at another time, but the whole state of California ruling now that, you know, they say it's a, you know, they're putting it in the law that a student athlete could just Get, uh, get payment for their likeness. And now the NCAA is saying, well, you're not going to be eligible for any NCAA participation and things like that. We need to, we need to look at how we're going to handle things. And, and, of course, this is not something the NCAA wants to do. But, again, a lot of media pressure is, hey, let's pay them for their likeness. And then, well, how are you going to control that? Basically, you're just going to open up, you know, legalized cheating, if you will. So, I think there's some big time issues going on in college athletics that that could change the shape and scope of how we view college football and college athletics as a whole. Here's my concern, too, because I can guarantee you this will happen. There is a family out there that is not happy with their son's playing time, and they've seen all these people transfer and they're not following the sports news every day like you and I do. And so they're going to go out there and they're going to say, we're going to transfer because Johnny's not the starting cornerback and we're going to easily be able to play somewhere else next year. And they're going to find out that the rules have changed. And I don't think that every young man has the stable home environment that's well-educated enough to realize you need to do this documentation. You may even need legal representation, which some people can't afford. I feel like we're still going to feel shockwaves, or at least these families are, for the coming months and maybe longer. Yeah, and I, I think a big part of the problem is, you know, is uh, everyone can, a lot of people can relate to the uh, to the, uh, the the modern-day parent, of uh, the T-ball the, the parent, the soccer parent, the soccer mom, all those. We're, we're getting a lot of that, obviously, in college athletics. And, well, I mean, I say getting into it. It's been there for a while. It's probably gotten worse but what has happened is a lot of these players are have people chirping in their ears and it's happened on the back end too. You know, Hey, come out. You, you're going to be a high pick. I read it on the internet. Boom. And then, you know, they make a really bad decision. So you're right. Uh, the proper education from the people that really matter is what they need to be getting. And they need to sometimes just sit down and work through your problems. And if you decided to go to a school, uh, there better be a really good reason why you want to leave because you've made that decision. And I realize we live in a world where a lot of these high school kids decide that they want to date somebody at nine o'clock and that at noon, they want to dump her and, and date somebody else. But, you know, at some point you need to mature and grow up and make decisions. Um, you know, you, you, you need to be smart about where you want to go and the reasons that you want to go. And if there's legitimate reasons why you need to leave, then pursue it. But, but other than that, I think the just the on a whim stuff is, 
has got to stop. And I think it can't be allowed. And, and I think the adjustment of this rule is good. It's just that it should have been done initially. Agreed. Um, one other note, big picture note that uh, a lot of people may have missed. Uh, Donald Trump, the president, and we don't talk a lot of politics, and that's by design. But uh, Donald Trump wants to change the policy in terms of academic, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, military service academies in that if they have a uh, potential professional career, they don't have to serve uh, immediately. This doesn't come up a lot, but it has come up a couple times over the past few years. Just kind of your thoughts on, on this. Yeah, so listen, what he wants to do, he's basically given a, um, a memorandum, a request uh, that the Department of Defense change their policy on the matter for athletes graduating from a service academy that wish to pursue, to pursue professional athletes. So, um, so the way it would work is players with professional upside should be allowed to defer their military service obligations due to the short window of time in which the players have to capitalize on the p potential professional career. So um, now the Department of Defense had actually reversed a previous policy on this matter in 2017 with that reverse resulting in then the requirement of a minimum of two years of military service after graduation. So what this is saying is now now, let's, let's not make them go two years and then they go play sports. If they've got a sports, um, if they are good, and it would require a player to be, according to baseball, football, basketball, hockey, wherever, it has to be legitimate, obviously, and, and it has to be pursued, and it has to be um, confirmed by the sports organizations that they are an athlete. That What he's saying is put a policy in place that is going to allow them to pursue their pro career right away. And then it would just postpone their military service to later. And, and with the idea being that uh, I think the marketability of them being in the service and, and that, uh, you know, how, how long they postpone it, I guess would depend upon how long their pro career is, but their service would still be there, but making it immediately upon graduation would be the change. So, um, it's, uh, it's supposed to be, it's 120 day now window in which the department of defense has to make that determination. So I think it's interesting. Like you said, it doesn't apply a lot, but for the rare case, um, it, it certainly does provide an opportunity for a player to say, Hey, this guy's is a really good player. Certainly would affect like what I do in terms of the draft process, a guy that's really good. You'd consider taking him. Uh, right now, you'd have to consider, all right, we may take him later to have his rights, but you know that for two years, you, you can't have him. But now you you can uh, right away, or will when this is put into place and it's going to be done soon. There you go. Stay tuned. And, That's your. Yes. And how, by the way, let's a uh, quick shout out as we, I forgot, and congratulations to the Vanderbilt Commodores as they won the College World Series on uh, Wednesday night. We know this football podcast, but uh, certainly uh, good for the SEC uh, contingent. Now that's what two national championships in what what three or four years. Uh, Tim Corbin's done a great job with that program. I know you probably uh, probably agree. And uh, what a base got to say, Vanderbilt now, right now, best college baseball program in the country. I think that's uh, I think that's clear right now. It it certainly is. Um, 
at some point we can discuss how they can offer extra financial aid being a private university. Absolutely. They, they get, <laughs> there are definite reasons. There are definite reasons that they're getting it done. There are no questions about that. Yes. That's a good contact. But on the field or on the diamond here, they clearly uh, have done it. But there, there's no question about it. And that's a good conversation one day. As uh, Growing up in Louisiana, I certainly the whole Pell Grant situation and how Skip Burtman built the LSU powerhouse. Yeah, there are reasons for it. There's no doubt, but congrats nonetheless for the kids that, that earned it. Yeah, I think if if my son comes to me and says, I can go to Tennessee and, you know, um, I've been a lifelong Tennessee fan, but I only get half a scholarship or I can go to Vanderbilt and get a full scholarship, uh, it's time to go out and buy some gold. It um, absolutely <laughs> is. And when you consider the scholarship value at Tennessee – in Knoxville versus Vanderbilt. I think, I don't know, I think it's about 65, 70 grand a year at Vandy. So just do the math. You get, you get, uh, well, you just get a lot more. That That's kind of like saying, no disrespect, I'm not comparing to education, but okay, you got a Corolla or a, a souped up Lexus. Which I can give you one for free, Dave. Which one do you want? I, I, think, I, I think I get your point. <laughs> yeah, and I can I can tell you it's eighty thousand a year because every Thanksgiving and uh, every Thanksgiving and Christmas my uncle reminds me because his son went to Vanderbilt. Oh, so. there you go, up to eighty grand a year. <laughs> yeah, so stay tuned. We got a full recruiting report, a lot of news out there, and again, Josh Ward will join us in his Locked On Balls podcast. More after this, your Locked On SEC Football podcast. He's Chris Landry at LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're Locked On SEC Football Podcast. It is time for a recruiting report and Georgia with a big time visit, Florida with a commitment. Recruiting never stops. No, it doesn't. Uh, And Florida gets uh, a really good pass rusher. Antoine Paul wanted to talk a little bit about him from Portsmouth, Virginia, uh, went through his um, due diligence for, you know, committing to Gainesville, uh, to the Gainesville School, and uh, he had his five allotment of visits. He also visited Oklahoma, Maryland, and about Maryland getting their visit, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, again, a Virginia kid, so he's kind of looking at the local schools there and uh, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, regional schools in Maryland, but then went out and looked at uh, Florida and Oklahoma. Really good pass rusher. Uh, I think can help Florida a lot, help them uh, out early. Uh, I tell you now, um, for, the, for the, the guys doing a good job, Dan Mullen, his recruiting class is, get, is climbing up and climbing up close to top five. So, you know, we, we've often talked about, a, you know, looking at Florida, Georgia, and what I think is going to be just an unbelievable rivalry in future years with Kirby and Dan, and maybe a slight edge to Dan in terms of an on-the-field coach, maybe a slight edge of recruiting, but but I'm telling you, uh, neither one of them have a weakness because I think Kirby and his staff do a great job coaching, and I think Dan has proven that the guy can recruit. Uh, I think people questioned it and said, well, wait a minute. He couldn't get the big guy at Mississippi State. Not at Mississippi State. He's at Florida. And, um, you know, if he can hold on to a class that maybe is a top five or six in the country, this will say a lot. This kid, in, uh, Antoine Powell, is outstanding and I think is going to be a huge impact for the Gators in the 2020 class. 
Yep, absolutely. And a scouting spotlight, uh, we, we certainly know this guy, uh, Devontae Smith. He's already made a name for himself, but you took a closer look. Yeah, you know, I look at the Alabama receivers as a whole, and I want to speak specifically about Devontae. Um, this guy's ability to get open and to make plays when the ball is thrown to him is at a very, very high level. Um, I think it's of the group, he's the best. In fact, the passer rating when thrown to him is higher than when Alabama's thrown to any other receiver. Now, that's a combination of a number of things. Uh, it's a combination of the coverages and who's covering him and um, which coverage looks that you get. But I, the thing that I often look and start to consider about this Alabama offense is certainly in the passing game, they've got guys that can get open, that can make plays after the catch, and they've got a lot of similarities. If you look at Judy and Ruggs and Devontae, you've got guys that are kind of built the same. Uh, you know, by, by example, say Clemson's guys are a little bit bigger. These guys are, are really a, a lot out there. None of them are small. None of them are the 6'4", 220 guys. But they're, they're, none of them are small, and they're all quick, and they're all fast. And, you know, when you look at the guys, the completion, uh, the passer rating when thrown to him was near 150. And you, right behind him was Henry Ruggs, then Jalen Waddles, then Jerry Judy. Those those were, were outstanding, and those were the best in the entire SEC, not just on Alabama's roster. Those were the all-Alabama guys. Though. So basically the passer rating was the best when thrown to those receivers. And the only guy that's not uh, a top Alabama guy in the top five would be the South Carolina kid, Shai Smith. So – um, Devonte Smith does a really good job of stemming his routes, getting open, got really good speed and quickness. He's outstanding on comebacks. He doesn't give up on his routes. So this leads to a lot of improvisational plays. So, uh, Devonte Smith is just the guy that's talked about a little bit for the obvious reasons, but we tend to forget that, you know, Judy is the considered the best rugs is outstanding. Waddle's outstanding. The, quartet of these four receivers are as good as I've seen in college football in a long time. And they're interchangeable in terms of their route running, their speed and quickness and their playmaking after the catch. Coming up, we will visit with Josh Ward with the locked on balls podcast. And Josh will give us uh, an insight into some uh, college football uh, recruiting at Tennessee. Uh, this is the Locked On SEC Football Podcast with Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. Don't forget to go to Twillery.com. That's Twillery.com. You will absolutely love the shirts there. Use the Locked On promo code. Get $25 off. So we'll visit with Josh after this. Stay tuned. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. Your Locked on SEC football podcast continues with Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. Had a chance to visit with uh, Josh Ward to talk about Tennessee's recruiting in terms of football now gaining a little bit of momentum. Yeah, Tennessee getting a commitment from Keyshawn Lawrence on Monday night is really good news for the Vols. He's one of the top players in the state of Tennessee. He goes to uh, Innsworth in Nashville and uh, Tennessee has, I think, done a really nice job recruiting the defensive backfield recently, getting Lawrence, who projects to play safety. Lovey Jenkins committed recently. He's a DB out of Florida. And then also going to East St. Louis for a, a four-star prospect. And Tennessee has one of the top JUCO prospects 
committed uh, corner and Art Green. So the Vols, I think, have to feel really good about what they've done in that position group, and they're working hard to get some guys up front on both sides of the ball, offensive and defensive linemen. And I think Tennessee's put them put themselves in position to be able to go after not just guys in state, but some uh, highly touted linemen outside the state of Tennessee and uh, other players like Raheem Jarrett, a wide receiver, visited Tennessee this past weekend. Now, uh, being in position to land them is one thing. You need to finish. You need to close. And Tennessee staff knows that. But they've done a uh, better job of that recently, adding some key pieces to the class. Well, going back to, can we um, address what you thought of getting Cooper Mays? Because they miss out on Cade Mays. And, you know, I know Cooper and Cade's dad very well. And he is just a hardcore Tennessee fan. I know it had to hurt him when Cade didn't pick the balls uh, and went to Georgia. But, that's almost one of those, I know it's a big get, don't get me wrong, but it's almost a bigger avoiding a miss, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, I think both apply. Cooper's an offensive lineman that Tennessee has really coveted since the staff arrived. And, uh, missing out on Cade Mays was a really big disappointment for Tennessee because he's a really good player. He's a, a legacy player, a local guy, and he also chose a divisional rival in Georgia. So keeping Cooper from doing something like that is a win getting him in the fold to help, uh, you know, just with that position, but also in state. So you have Cooper and Keyshawn, two of the more talented players inside the state, committing within a week. That uh, that's, that's a big selling point for Tennessee's coaching staff to other players like Jay Hardy from down there in Chattanooga, uh, to Chris Morris, uh, a top offensive lineman in this class, in this state, that Tennessee is continuing to battle for. And uh, now Tennessee has somebody like Cooper Mays on its side to reach out to Chris Morris and say, hey, come join me here at Tennessee, and we'll see if that ends up happening. But uh, the Vols are going to continue to push for some of the top linemen in the class, again, on both sides of the ball. Having somebody like Cooper is a nice way of getting things started. They've landed two linemen in the last uh, last couple of weeks now. Uh, Javante Spriggan's another one from East St. Louis. So I think that makes Tennessee's coaching staff feel a little bit better about the 20 class. With Cooper in particular, let me let me ask you this: Do you have you talked to coaches or scouts and how he would compare to Cade? I mean, Cade was a a very dominant player. He was a I can't remember if he was a five star or not, but coaches I talked to said he's a lock. Do you know? I know Cooper is very good, but uh, are they of the same ilk, or do we know? Well, Cooper is not as highly rated, but he is uh, a four star prospect. He is, uh, yeah, he's a top probably a three to 400 player in the country, which is still really good, but he's not as highly rated as Cade. And uh, they play different positions. Cooper's going to be on the interior at center. Cade's a guy that, um, he, you know, he can play interior, he can play at tackle, but um, he's probably a more versatile guy. And again, uh, more highly rated, um, probably more natural talent with the ability to walk in and play right away. Let's see what Cooper does. Maybe he does play right away as a freshman for Tennessee. Part of that will depend on, you know, just where their offensive line is, how some other guys have developed here in the next year before uh, Cooper arrives on campus. Uh, but uh, K- Cooper's still very talented, uh, big-time prospect. Uh, as coveted as Cade, no, but uh, coveted for sure. Josh, do you, do you know anybody else that the Vols have not yet gotten as a commit that they're still targeting uh, to continue to work on that offensive line and, and the defensive line a little bit too? Yeah, well, Chris Morris, I think, would be one of the main uh, targets there. If we're talking about offensive linemen, he's out of Memphis, and I think he's a really important player for Tennessee 
Um, he has a number of um, has a number of big time offers, but the Vols are going after other players at that position on the defensive line. Uh, Jay Hardy is a guy that I mentioned, but uh, you keep going with a guy like Reggie Grimes, who's uh, an uphill battle. I would say Alabama would be the favorite there to land him. Oxendine's a big time player. Uh, outside the state that Tennessee has uh, continued to recruit. Amari Thomas from Memphis is a uh, big-time defensive tackle who has Tennessee, I believe, in his in his final six. So the Vols are in a, a good position there with him. Tyler Barron from uh, Knoxville Catholic, so a teammate of Cooper Mays. Uh, he has a family connection with his father working at Tennessee, so that can't hurt. He's uh, continued to take visits and, vis- and uh, go through schools like Ohio State, Oklahoma recently. So uh, Tennessee is recruiting, again, the line of scrimmage as a huge priority. Uh, Tennessee feels really good, I think, about the offensive line class it put together for 2019. That's Juan E. Morris, Darnell Wright, and then Jackson Lampley and Chris Ockferogane. Remember, Melvin McBride had to retire early, so they signed five offensive linemen, but uh, one is not going to play football at Tennessee. So that has kind of opened up a spot in terms of what Tennessee is trying to do to build long-term. So that really kind of just adds an emphasis on the importance of uh, finding quality offensive linemen in this class. Well, here's the rub. The offensive line depth is so bad because of all the losses that you almost have to uh, over-recruit um, on the offensive line, and that could hurt you somewhere else. Yeah, potentially. This is a class where Tennessee wants to add two quarterbacks. Harrison Bailey is committed, and then Haynes King is a player out of Texas that Tennessee is really trying to uh, push for. Texas A&M is uh, in the picture there, so it's probably a UT A&M battle for him. And you think about numbers do fill up, sure. If you have two quarterbacks, when you typically only go after one in a class, well, there's a spot where you maybe have to uh, take it away from somewhere else. If you need more linemen, that can affect what you're doing at uh, skill positions. But, you know, they're going after all different spots. They've, they've got – uh, a number of defensive backs, and we'll see how this class ends up. They might have some guys to play offense or defense, like with Alante Taylor or Bryce Thompson and Aaron Beasley, fits that category from this past year's class. So uh, that's something I would say that this coaching staff will continue to try to do, look for versatility with players who can play multiple positions. But sure, the more linemen you have to sign, you, you feel like you have to sign, less spots that leaves in other positions. Uh, pardon me if I, I missed this. I was out yesterday under the weather, but um, I, I heard on Friday that some guy I'd never heard of before reported Jawan Jennings was hurt and needed surgery. What Did anything become of that? Uh, yeah, I do believe that uh, Jawan's dealing with a knee issue that uh, will keep him either out or limited through summer workouts. I would just be really careful with Jawan because I'm Tennessee's coaching staff. I wouldn't have him do much uh, before the start of the year. I would make sure that he's healthy because remember last year he just he was out there playing and he was I think productive, but Jawan was not uh, he was not a hundred percent and he was not able to go practice at full speed and that had to affect uh, his ability and uh, especially early in the season he just if you're watching him out there uh, he labored through a lot of the start of the year and. Um, getting a healthy Juwan Jennings out there, getting somebody who is 100% or close to it, I think can make a big impact on what Tennessee's offense can be. He's a versatile player that I think Tennessee's coaching staff wants to put in different positions, in the slot, on the outside, uh, in the backfield even. So getting him uh, healthy and making sure that 
he's as uh, as good as he can be physically by August 31st when Tennessee opens the season, I think should be priority number one with Juwan. I guess my question is the reporting was all over the place, and I don't know this young man. He may be Leonard of Bernstein. He might be Lewis and Clark. I don't know. But it, it was he'll be back for preseason camp. No, maybe he won't. He'll be back for uh, the beginning of of the season. I mean, do we know anything more concrete than what we've read on the Twitter? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that Tennessee knows for sure right now uh, okay. what his availability will be. Uh, for the start of camp, I would say that they'll find out in five weeks where he is because go back to last year, they didn't know how Juwan would be at the start of the season, and they had to kind of find out week to week, I think, early on in the season. And uh, they were they were gradually working him back in the first few weeks. So I don't think that's a question that Jeremy Pruitt could even answer for sure or the training staff until we get to a month from now, a little more than that, when Tennessee opens up camp. That's your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. For Chris Landry, I'm Dave Hooker. Have a fantastic day, everyone. We will talk to you tomorrow.